0: Welcome, Decode Your Burnout fans, to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Today, I am joined by the very accomplished Tim Dumas. And did I pronounce your last name right?
1: You did. You did. Uh, It has its origins in uh, in the French language, so the S is silent.
0: Okay, good. (laughs) I know there's like an author with that last name. so There is.
1: I'm sure we're related somehow some very far time away.
0: (laughs) You never know. Well, so let me tell you a little bit about Tim. Tim approaches his work as a coach with magnanimity, a calling to bring out the greatness in others and to support entrepreneurs in creating corporate cultures that support the fulfillment of people's dreams. His greatest satisfaction comes from helping clients to live with greater self-awareness and purpose that aligns with their priorities. Now, this people-centric approach is grounded in his deep experience in owner-related businesses, building to scale, and in family-owned retail, hospitality, tourism, charitable and professional services sectors. So lots of things going on. Um, A certified coach, speaker and trainer with the John Maxwell team. Tim is also a certified facilitator and trainer with the Extreme Leadership Institute, a partner and consultant with the Virtuous Leadership Institute, a forum chair with McKay CEO Forums and a partner and COO with Jack's Beer, Wine and Spirits. Now, when he's not coaching or in the boardroom, he can be found on the field enthusiastically coaching soccer with South Delta United and football with the South Delta Rams. He and his wife, Stephanie, reside in, and you're going to have to help me on this.
1: Tawassin, British Columbia, just outside of Vancouver.
0: Tawassin, British Columbia. Okay, it's got a very funny spelling, just outside British uh, of uh, Vancouver, and uh, they live with their six children, so wow, Tim, that is quite a bio
1: <laughs> There you go, yeah, uh basically you can sum it all up in in coaching when i'm uh, I'm coaching by day talking to people like you and and going into my next session a little bit here with uh with uh with a business group and and then really in the afternoons and evenings uh, coaching uh you know middle school and and high school sports.
0: You are a busy guy.
1: Is there no. any other way to be if you're living your passion? It's not really busy if you're living your passion. There you're doing you what you love, right?
0: It's it's not work, right? Yeah. So so tell us, Tim, who has so much going on and is living his passion. Um, have you ever burned out uh, living your passion or did you burn out because you weren't living your passion?
1: Well, I... I- I, I think you could say uh, either one. It might be a little bit of a chicken or the egg, but yeah, I have burned out. And I think if you talk to any leader at some point, they have had some semblance of burnout. It looks different for different people, but I can remember uh, vividly. It was probably about five years ago, and uh, and, and I was doing a lot of uh, new new projects uh, in my work, and I hadn't still hadn't quite figured out. Uh, the 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 process of your oxygen mask first as a leader, kind of like when they tell you when you get on the plane, if the oxygen mask comes down, put it on you first before you put it on that little kid sitting next to you, because if you don't put it on first, you're going to pass out and you're going to help not going to help either of them. And I was that person uh, living life not putting my oxygen mask on, and I really think that's a lo- that's one of the reasons why a lot of people experience a burnout, and that's why I did as well. I embraced. Servant leadership. I wanted to lead people by serving them. And and I had a heart to serve and 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 I just love to serve them. However, um, I experienced that when you know I'm getting up super early in the morning, going to bed late at night, grinding it all during the day. And and I had someone pull me aside one day and they said, Hey Tim, you got a problem. You look, you look like a wreck, and you're not doing the same kind of work that you used to. And I said, Don't worry, I'll just work a little harder, I'll be fine. They said, No, no. You gotta, you gotta take care of yourself a little bit, and, um, and 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 I got, I got to meet around that same time um, a, a business coach who's now a mentor of mine named Kevin Lawrence, who wrote the book Your Oxygen Mask First. Uh, I read this book and I realized that yes, I wanted to serve others through uh, the leadership positions and the leadership areas I, I was in. However, if I didn't, the hardest person in the world to lead is yourself and if i didn't start leading myself by having a you know having a more healthy lifestyle uh taking care of things like sleep being intentional with my time so i had the most effective time for my work my family and and all the things that were important to me i wasn't going to be good for everyone and that's how i experienced burnout and my oxygen mask first was how i got out of it
0: I love that. And clearly, you're a doer, you're somebody who and even from your bio, we can hear you've got your, you know, your foot in all kinds of doors, you are doing lots of things. And so doing is important to you. And as you said, you know, you find your calling, you feel really passionate about what you're involved in. And so it's easy to get caught up in that. And it's so interesting too, kind of paradoxical, where when we think like, okay, I, I, my performance has declined, or I'm not doing as well as I used to, our automatic go to then is, I'll just work harder, I'll just put in more time, when in fact, what we need is to scale it back, right? Now, there's probably a lot of people listening to this who are also doers. Who have a hard time with the scaling it back thing because there's this fear of if I don't show up even more, then I'm not. If I can't accomplish what I want now with the amount of time that I'm putting in, how am I going to accomplish more by showing up less? So, can you speak to that?
1: Well, there's a there's a really cool uh, thing about you know if it's it's a fallacy that um, to do more you need to spend more time. Now, are there areas that if you spend more time, you do more? A- absolutely. It, that only makes sense. However, there's another way to do it, and that's by becoming more efficient and effective at it, right? There yes. are people that you know and I know that that work a little bit less, but are extremely intentional about every minute. And uh, there's a really cool exercise I've done with some of my coaching clients. My, my coach has done with me called the 168 drill. Uh, 168 is the number of hours you and I have every week, right? And and if you look through and you look intentionally about how you're utilizing those hours, you start to think to yourself, and I started to think to myself, how exactly do I want to use those hours? And how am I going to use them most effectively? And if I only have this many hours in the workday today, What am I going to do? What are the most important things to do? And you know what? Most businesses don't ask themselves, what are the most important things for us to do this day, this year, this month, this week, this this quarter? And most people, even more people don't, right? Um, I I was just uh, with a a client doing strategic planning, and we went through what are the, the three most important things for us to accomplish this year. And they said to me, like, Tim, we've never done this before. And I said, you've never identified the most important things. And so when you don't identify the most important things, you start doing, you keep doing things that are loosely important, right? Things that might make a little bit of an impact. But if I've decide between doing something that makes a little impact and a big impact, what am I going to choose? So I choose the big impact first, knock off those things, and then I'll move on as I have more time. Also, as it relates to time. We have a decision to make. Every time I say yes to something, I say no to something else. And I need to be intentional about that. Um, And another great coach I work with named uh, Oliver Basner, I just had a conversation with him yesterday. He said, just when you say yes to something, make sure you physically say no to something else. So for example, there's a story about the, the business leader that wasn't going to any of their kids' events, their soccer games, because they were so busy at work. And the coach said to this person, they said, well, just tell your kids that, um, that it's just not important for you to go to one of their soccer games right now. And they said, I couldn't possibly do that. That's not true. And the coach said, well, that's the way you're living. So living is proof of what is, what is your truth. So you have to decide for yourself, what are you going to say yes to? What are you going to say no to? Every time I say yes to things. And when I discovered some of that burnout, I was saying yes to work things because they're right in front of me. But I was often saying no to sometimes my wife, my kids. And I didn't physically say no to them with my mouth. I said no to them with my actions. And they knew I just didn't know yet. So I had to become self-aware of that to be intentional with my time. When I was intentional with my time, I started doing more with less time because I was intentional and effective at the things I did. And I did the most important things first.
0: Oh my God. So many jewels of wisdom in there. And I love this message of like, be intentional so that you can do more with less, right? The answer isn't keep showing up and do more and do more and do more to the point where it's overwhelming and it's taken over your life and you don't have a life outside of work. It's about working smarter. And you've just gave us, you've just given us some examples of how to do that, which is super helpful. So thanks for that. Now, I know you also have three myths that you've prepared for us that you are going to debunk. So go ahead. Take us through the first one.
1: Okay. The first one is uh, love has no place in the workplace. Uh, Often uh, when I profess my love to you in the workplace, what's the first thing you do? You call HR and say, get rid of this Tim guy. He just told me he loves me right? Isn't that a horrible thing? Um, However, have you ever met anyone that said to to you, you know what, Sharon, I'm really looking for a lot less love in my life. (laughs) I've never met anyone that said that to me, right? However- the reason why you call HR is because we have a misunderstanding about what the word love means, especially in our North American culture, right? If you look at the Greek language, they have multiple words for love, right? They have eros, which is the word for love that we think that's why we call HR romantic love, right? They also have agape love, which is unconditional love. They have store love, which is like when I say I love pizza, right? They have all these different, uh, they have filial love, which is love between uh, brother and sister cousins, co co-workers, friends. But what that love means. So if I say that philia love, that love between friends, it means I got your back. I I it, it means I love you. It's just not in the way that we might normally think in North American culture. So can you imagine working for a company that said, Sharon, we love you. We got your back. We got we got your best intentions at heart, and we're going to work together for the betterment of you both personally and professionally. Do you want that kind of love in the workplace?
0: I have to think that everybody's going to say yes to that.
1: I've never had anyone, of all the people I've spoken to, I've never had anyone say no to that, right? Yet, when we first bring that word love into the workplace, people people get weird, right? So uh, one of my goals, and with one of my mentors named Steve Farber, who wrote the book, Love is Just Damn Good Business, we're trying to bring love back into the workplace and make sure that people know love is not a dirty word. If we have more of that in our society, in our workplaces, etc., So love is actually, as Steve would say, as Steve Farber would say, love is just damn good business. And when you bring love into the workplace, when you operationalize love, operationalize it as in how you love your customers, your coworkers, the people, your vendors, that's when great things happen. And that's why love absolutely not only has a place in the workplace is the is the birthplace of leadership in the workplace
0: yeah so what you're saying is there's a misunderstanding or like a misinterpretation of the word and what it means and when you say it it feels kind of out of context like this is not a romantic relationship why are you telling me that you love me but really what you mean behind that word is i care about you And I want to do good by you. And I think we all can align with that. And so basically what you're saying is if we can interpret the word love to mean what it could mean, in other words, it's not just one context dependent. There's, you know, there's a place for it in the workplace. um, And this is what, this is the definition that we're using for that. Then that would be not only appropriate, but, but desired,
1: yeah, I would say not only appropriate but but desired, but also table stakes. If you don't have it, I don't know how you can operate a great business without without that love, right? If you think about it, um it's it, it it's like you say you you know you love your your brother or your sister, right? Um if you have that kind of context in the workplace and if you have an organization that can operationalize that, that like amazing things uh, start to happen.
0: You know, I just had this conversation recently with my husband because he's now working for this company that maybe doesn't say, I love you verbally, but through their actions, I feel like that's what they're saying because there's companies that when they do really well, they maybe have layoffs so that they can have more of that bottom line for the top people in leadership. And so they're not really appreciative of the people who are making the work happen, making their success come to fruition. And what his company is doing is really showing the people that are making it happen that they appreciate them and they are just going above and beyond to do that. And so I think there is a way for us to really exemplify this in the workplace. And it goes a long way.
1: I, I I don't know how you operate any other way and 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 I would certainly argue that your husband's company is living love in the workplace and that's the important part. It's the operationalizing of it. It's the living of it, the actions that you take yes. to show that, right. Um, and it's funny a lot of companies that I've worked with sometimes for a few years have said you know in in North American culture we have a crutch. Our crutch is that we only have one word for love. the Greeks have multiple, right? And so they can really understand it. We have this mental block in understanding it. But I had a company I've worked with for a number of years now. They said, Tim, we've been operationalizing this love now, but I couldn't quite say it. But we started to say it, and it started to mean something, and everyone in the company now knows what it means. So imagine when they take it to that next step, yeah, and they know exactly what that means. But also, they not only know what it means, they know that they can hold me accountable to that. Because as one of my other mentors, Nancy McKay, founder of McKay Co. Forum, said, love isn't always about rainbows and butterflies, right? Love is about sometimes having the tough conversations. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: you know, if you think about somebody you really, truly love, and in the workplace, often we avoid tough conversations. Why? Because it's hard for us. It really has nothing to do with the other person and what's better for them, but it's hard for us. It hurts our, hurts our ego to have a tough conversation almost. Right. And so, but when we love someone, think about if if you have a child or a brother or sister and they're doing something uh, that 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 you that that you don't think is is setting them on the right track, right? You're gonna pull them aside. You're gonna have a conversation. Say, hey, I think you're hanging with the wrong crowd. or I think you're doing some of the wrong things. You're gonna have that conversation with them, right? Why? Because you love them. You don't care if that's gonna you know hurt hurt some feelings in the short term. It's the right thing in the long term to do the right thing. But in the workplace, we think more about, "Ah, I don't really know if I want to hurt that person's feelings today, right? And that only comes out of a lack of love.
0: It's as you're saying all this, it makes me think about the way that I do my coaching. And I actually just had a session with a client who one thing I know about him is that he's very sensitive to criticism. And since he's a new client, I said, okay, let's just put this out there that nothing I say is ever me judging you. It's just me giving you feedback, and I want you to get the most out of this process. And it's all coming from a place of love, right? So it all really ties into what you're saying, which is kind of cool. I love that. All right. You're already operationalizing
1: it, Sharon, right? I'm I'm doing it.
0: I'm telling everybody (laughs) I love them. (laughs) All right. Tell us about myth number two.
1: Myth number two, personal dreams have no place in the workplace and and speaking to people about their personal dreams have no place. So, for example, uh, I have still have not met anyone that comes to work and cuts off their personal life while they're at work and from nine to five and then goes home and gets back onto their personal life. I don't know about you, but if I have some issues going on in my personal life, it affects my work and vice versa. You know, as people, I don't think we're like compartmentalized waffles. We're a bowl of spaghetti that's all mixed together. And if we don't see that at work with our people, if we don't find ways to tie their personal dreams into the dreams of the company, it is pretty hard to get those to coalesce and to get them to work towards their company's ultimate goals. Think about it. Think about it this way, right? Um, Do you know, I don't know anyone that comes to work and says, hey, Tim, I'm just here so I can maximize operating profit for the company today you know what? Not only do I not know anyone that does that, I don't know any business owner that does that. And that might surprise some people, right? Okay. A business owner, they want to maximize profit for themselves, right? I don't actually believe that. They want to maximize profit. And when you ask them, they might want to maximize profit to help achieve their personal dreams their dreams of sending their kids to college, of taking that nice vacation with their family of how do I utilize, how do I work to support my dreams and the dreams of the people around me? So um, at companies that I work with, when we do, you know, a lot of people do performance reviews. When we sit down with our people, we sit down and the first thing we ask them is what are your personal dreams and how can I support you? And First, they look at me like I have four eyes, right? They're like, why are you asking me this? And it really goes back to number one. Well, because I love you. If I don't ask you about how I can support you personally, I'm just using you as a pawn in my business. And that's not what you are. You're somebody who this business is a conduit to help you achieve your personal dreams. So when we talk about, okay, their personal dream is that they would like to take a European vacation with their family in the next five years so what do we do we start building that dream and making an action plan for that dream and when we try and figure out how can we tie that in to the company's dream well the company likely has some kind of dream of achieving a higher level of profitability if we can do that your bonus goes up or whatever you know whatever the the, the levers that we can pull are and all of a sudden we're working and pulling in the same direction to our dreams unfortunately most companies, come in to the workplace and they tell people what the company objective is. And they say, figure out how to get there. Rather than taking the emotion of their people, asking what their dreams are, and then building the company dream and goals and the the action plan to get there and putting those together. When you put those together, magic happens because people are highly motivated to not only achieve their own dreams, but to help the people around them to achieve theirs as well.
0: So you're talking about really creating a win-win. And sometimes when we think about win-win in the business context, we think about, I'm going to allow you to be successful in your career and pay you good money and give you the title and reward you and bonuses and things like that. And you're going to help me with my company get to my financial goals. But you're taking it one step further and saying, it's not just, it doesn't end there. We have a life. We are dynamic beings that, that have a personal life. And so it's also about how does this tie into your personal goals outside of work? And when we bring all that in together, it makes for a much more comprehensive picture where we're taking care of the whole person.
1: Well, we're taking care of the whole person. Now I know how I can support that person, right? If I, I know what's most important to them. And when I find out what's most important to them, it helps me to, uh, to take care of them better, it helps me when I'm buying them a Christmas present. Yes. I I know about them, right? People are shocked when I buy you know when I buy them a Christmas present at work that means a lot to them. I'm, and they're like, "Well, how did you know?" I said, "Well, all year I've been asking you about your dreams. You told me about your dream for your child and your your spouse and for your travel and for whatever that you do, right?" Yeah. And so I've been making mental notes of this. I'm like, okay, that's one of their dreams. How can what would be what would be a good way to support them with their, with their gift this year. Right. And, and so it's, it's, it's magic. People say you really care. You listened. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do you think those people work for you? Right. Like stats say that two thirds of the workforce in North America and mostly around the world is disengaged. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: How do we disengage? How do we engage people? Well, I know that most people are engaged with their own dreams. So when I engage people in their own lives, generally, they start to engage more in the workplace because it's engagement in their own life and the life of others around them.
0: I love that because disengagement is actually one of the things that happens when people are burned out. And so this is kind of a note for people who are leading businesses to really prevent burnout and increase engagement. You have to take note of the person's dreams, not just at work, but also outside of work. Fantastic. All right, you got one more for us. One more.
1: Uh, leadership has nothing to do with the position you hold. Uh, a lot of people think uh, a leadership is a position. It has nothing to do with that, especially when you look at the definition. And when I became a leader in the business world close to two decades ago now, um, I didn't know what leadership meant. I had played you know, sports throughout my life. I've been in leadership positions in high school. I didn't know what it meant. So like any good child of the 80s, I go to the dictionary, I open up the dictionary, do you know what says the definition of leadership is the act of being a leader. And I'm like, if I wrote that on my third grade test, I would fail because (laughs) as I know it, you cannot define a word by the root of its own word, it makes no sense. So I had to go further. So I went on a few year journey of reading leadership books, trying to read about what any talking to people, what anybody had thought about what leadership really was. And there's some great definitions and there's some outstanding people have written outstanding things about leadership. But I found nothing better than this. Uh, I read a book called Virtuous Leadership by a guy named Alex Havard a number of years ago, got to meet him and he's now become a mentor of mine as well. Mm
0: -hmm. And in
1: his book, he defines leadership as the word, which you mentioned at the beginning, magnanimity. I had no idea what that word meant. I didn't even know how to say it. But he (laughs) defines it as the spirit of striving for greatness, By bringing out the greatness in others. And by that definition, it doesn't matter what your position is in an organization. Top of the hierarchy, bottom of the hierarchy, anybody can strive for greatness by bringing out the greatness in others. And that's really the definition of what leadership is. And how do you do that? Well, you go back to myths number one and two. You bring out the greatness in others by asking about what their dreams and how they can bring out the greatness in themselves. Because if I don't know what their dreams are, how can I bring out the greatness in them? If I just said to you, Sharon, hey, how do you bring out the greatness in yourself? I'm going to tell you what I did. Just do what I did. Well, Sharon, bringing out the greatness in you might not being a high school football coach, might not be working in some of the organizations that I work with because each of us has our own calling and and, and it has our own uh, unique strengths to do that, right? So it isn't until I actually ask you that I can help to bring out the greatness in you. Number two, and what is that really? That really comes in the semblance of, well, that's love. That's supporting the other person. That's caring about the other person. So yes, leadership has nothing to do with the position you hold. It has to do with striving for greatness yourself by bringing out the greatness in others.
0: Well, Tim, you have done such a phenomenal job of not only debunking these myths, but also having them all come together in such a beautiful way. So thank you very much for that. Now, if somebody is listening to this and they want to learn more about you or perhaps even work with you, where should they go?
1: Yeah, they can go to my website, which is serviceleadership.com. Service is spelled S-E-R-V-U-S. That's S-E-R-V-U-S, leadership dot uh, com. They can also email me at T Duma at serviceleadership.com. You can find me on LinkedIn um, and uh, contact me any way that you like. I would absolutely love to talk to any of uh, your listeners.
0: Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I think we <laughs> we've covered so much in so little time and uh, I encourage you. I encourage you guys, if you're listening to this, to maybe go back and listen again and maybe take some notes because there's a lot of real gems in this episode. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience and by decoding it, You can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you are watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you're ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.